again. Good to be in the house of the Lord with you again today. As we sang that song, that prayer, I was thinking, until every heart confesses Christ the Lord. It's one thing to say something. It's a whole other thing to live something. Right? Many of us can confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The whole point of re coming together to hear God's word is to put within us through God's spirit the word of God so that we live what we say. Is Christ Lord? The whole point of the book of Ephesians, you'd say, is Jesus Christ is Lord. And this is how the church is supposed to behave. This is what I expect of my treasured possession. So we are going to continue in our series in Ephesians. Just by way of review, very quickly, in chapters 1 through 3, Paul has laid out God's plan from the foundation of the earth. That he is going to build one people. A new society, as, as John Stott likes to call it, and rightfully so, uh, called his church. That God is about the business of unifying people, bringing people together, reconciling people, calling people to bear with one another with humility and gentleness and kindness and love and peace. Remember, when we began last week, Paul went from the theological to the practical. Though the practical is highly theological. How many of you would say, I'm a theologian? Every hand should go up if you're a Christian. Because if you're a Christian, you are a theologian. You are a studier of God's word, or at least you should be. This is what it means. It's not theologian. The term theologian is not reserved for the elites. All of God's people are called to be theologians. So when we sing this song, when we pray this, we're asking God to show, show us Himself. And how do we see God? What is the primary method in which God reveals Himself to us? Through the preaching, the teaching of God's Word. And so today, my prayer for us is that we would see that. That we would see that we are to live as God's treasured possession. God's treasured possession. Hold on, you know what? We've got to stop this. I put the wrong notes back on So I have to the table once. As God's treasured possession. Part two. We're going to be in verses 1 to 16 of chapter 4. I encourage you to stand with me as I would pray and we would read from God's most holy word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are. Thank you, Lord God, that you must be sang. Your heart is kind heart is so kind. You are so kind and so gracious as to make yourself known to us. So Lord, may we soak in you today. As we open up our ears, as we open up our hearts and our minds, may we hear you today. Forgive us for all that stands between us, Lord. 
Give us, Lord, clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Give us clear communication between you to us this day. Give us understanding through your Holy Spirit. We ask it for the glory of Christ. Amen. This is what God says to us today. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. Therefore, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended to the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all heaven, all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. As we began last week, we saw three things in our text, the manner, the method, and the order. The manner, the method, and the motive. We saw that the manner in which a person should live as God's treasured possession was in a manner that was worthy of their calling. Again, verse 1, Therefore, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you, remember urge, call alongside, right? I, I, I alongside call you. Urge you to walk, let your life show that it's a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And there were five characteristics of which mark the life of the treasured possession of God, God's child. Humility, gentleness, patience, love, and peace. That was the manner. Today we'll look at the method. Oh, uh, oh, the method, or probably even a better word, the means, the means which God has placed within His church to help us walk in a manner worthy of our calling, the method, or change it to means if you want. We'll have three subheadings today. Christ's gift to individuals, Christ's gift to the church, our gift to each other. Christ's gift to the church, Christ, Christ's gift to individuals, Christ's gift to the church, our gift to each other. Christ's gift to individuals. What it says in verse 7, our text, well today 7 down to 16 will be the majority of our text. He says, but 
grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Grace, as you know, is the word charis. It means favor. If you are God's treasured possession, the favor of God rests upon you. That's exactly what the angel said at the birth of Jesus Christ, is it not? Look again what, what the angel said when they appeared to the shepherds. I'm going to quote from the NIV. It says, Glory to God in the highest in the highest heaven on, and on earth to those on whom his favor rests. The favor of God is given to each one of God's treasured children by Christ's measured gift. That's what it says, right? Look again at verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us individually according to the measure of Christ's gift. What is Christ's gift? What is Christ's gift to the church? Christ's gift to the church is the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ and the Father give us the Holy Spirit. Look what it says in John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, helper to be with you forever. Remember when Jesus was getting ready to ascend? He says, and behold, in Luke 24, 49, behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. So the Father sends, and Jesus sends, the promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Every adopted child of God has the Holy Spirit. It is absolutely impossible to be saved without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't work in you before you even can say the words, Jesus Christ is Lord. It is by the Spirit of God that we can utter with trueness, with an honest heart, Jesus Christ is Lord. It is impossible to be obedient without the Holy Spirit. We cannot in any way be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. Paul here, however, is not talking about the Spirit's work in salvation. It's common for all believers. Remember, there's one testimony. He is speaking about the diversity of how God, the Holy Spirit, individually gifts people within the church. That is why he says the measure of Christ's gift. You get it, verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Every child of God has the Holy Spirit equally. But are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do ministry in different capacities. Are in, we all have the Holy Spirit equally. You do not need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You do not need to be Filled with the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. You were baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit at the moment of conversion. <clears throat> but not all are empowered by God in the same capacity to serve within the church. Paul, who has been speaking about the unity of God's children, now talks about diversity. The diversity they have for the purpose of building the church. This is a truth uh, throughout scripture. Paul writing to the church in Corinth says this in 1 Corinthians 12. 
beginning in verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Same truth is seen in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 to 6. So you want to have a memory of, of these things? Look how, look how God gave us to this. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 6. Romans 12, 4 to 6. That's an easy memory tool to say, what is it about God's gifting to the church? Well, there it is. 12, 4, 6. 12, 4, 6. 1 Corinthians 12, 4, 6. Romans 12, 4 to 6. Romans 12, 4 to 6 says this. For as in one body we have many members... And the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members, one of another. Having gifts that differ according to, the, according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith and so on. And Paul, to illustrate this truth, this point, quotes from Psalm 68, 18. It says this. Therefore, it says, verse 8 of chapter Ephesians, chapter 4, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, Psalm, Psalm 68 is a psalm of triumph. It speaks of a king coming back from battle victorious. Many scholars believe it may be that uh, it, uh, David wrote this when he brought the ark back to Jerusalem. Paul rightly uses it, the greater context of it, to show that it is Jesus who is the one who is the supreme conqueror. Jesus is the supreme conqueror. It says in verses 9 and 10, in saying he ascended, that is, went up, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Where do every blessing to us come? They come in Christ Jesus where? In the heavenly realms because Christ fills all. The Bible tells us that in him we live and move and have our being. Right? In Colossians 1, 6, all things hold together in Christ Jesus. Historically, verses 8 to 10 here in Ephesians have been used to teach that Jesus descended into hell, set a bunch of people free, and brought them into heaven. Nowhere in Scripture do we see that at all. You say the Apostles' Creed and say that Jesus who descended into hell. Scripture does not say that at all. Not one place in Scripture can we find that to be true. So don't, don't when you hear that, don't buy into it. Paul here states that the particular gifts that God gave to the church, that God gave particular gifts to the church so they can be built up and become mature in the faith. God, Christ has individually gifted you. Christ has also gifted the church. Christ has given the church, gifted the church. What it says in verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Five things, five positions of which God has given the church. Apostles, apostolus, 
messenger, ambassador, envoy. There are no apostles today. There are no apostles today. The apostles were a limited group of men for a limited period of time. The apostles were a limited group of men for a limited period of time. He gave the prophets, prophetes, one who proclaims inspired utterances on behalf of God. I am not a strict sensationist in terms of the gifts have ceased. Some are, some aren't. It's not a hill that I'm ready to die on. I will say that gifts have changed. The gift of profit has changed. It is no longer anyone who tells future events or what God is going to do. There's no, there is no more Ezekiel's. There's no, there's no Jeremiah's. There's no Isaiah. As a matter of fact, the last prophet really was Jesus in many ways. Though Paul was a prophet, others were. But now that gift has shifted and has changed. It has changed to one who now exposits God's word. Exposits God's word. And I say exposits not because the expository preaching, in my opinion, in the opinion of this is where all the elders and teachers agree, expository preaching is the best way to teach God's word. To exposit means to draw out of the text what is there, right? Exo, out, right? Exoskeleton, we learned that about bugs, right? Um, draw out, exposit, to draw out. We don't, we're not isogenic. We don't put in to Scripture what is not there. We don't put in my feelings or my things, what, what I think is or what, boy, but it just sounds so good. Man, you know what? Oh. Right? And you, and you may say, but doesn't it mean this? You can't take one text or one passage and say, well, this is the whole doctrine you need to take the totality of Scripture, all that Scripture says, and your decision is based on that the teaching of God's Word is made clear. So the prophet is now one who exposits God's Word. He gave the evangelist. This is for the church. This is for the church in this is for the church local and the church universal, by the way. He gave the evangelist, euangelists. One who announces the gospel. How many people in the Bible are actually called an evangelist? What? Philip, the evangelist. is actually given a title, right? That's in Acts chapter 21, verse 8. We are not all called to be Billy Grahams. There are people within God's church universal, and there are people who are gifted locally in the church who just want witness, and they share God's word. They have the gift of evangelism. But we are all, all of us are, should be, are called to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that was within us. Church, can you answer the hope that is within you? By that, I don't mean your testimony. That may be part of it. But from Scripture, from what God says, can you give a hope, give a reason for the hope that is within you. That is one of the things that was asked that we would do in Bible study. And so I think we may do that once we finish that the world may know. 
will teach you how to evangelize. I, I, I think it, it'll be a one session thing because it's not hard. It's not hard, but it does take practice. He also has given the shepherds, poimen, herdsmen, one who cares for the flock. God told through the prophet Jeremiah the kind of shepherds that he would give to the give to the church. In Jeremiah 3.15 says, And I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. If you were in Sunday school this morning, you'll know that we want to give you proper knowledge. Proper understanding. Paul told the elders in Ephesus when he was leaving them when he said, I'll never see your face again. He says this in Acts 20, verse 28. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. He's also given to the church teachers. Teachers. Daskalos means teacher or instructor. The purpose of these gifts of grace, Paul says, is to equip the church, equip the saints for ministry, for the work of ministry. That's what it says in verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ. The word equipped. <coughs> kata remiso. Kata. Oh, I forget it. To make adequate. To finish completely. To cause to be fully qualified. Oh man, that's a task, right? To make adequate. To furnish completely. To cause to be fully qualified. The job of the pastor, the teacher, the elder is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, which means we need to make adequate, to furnish completely, to cause to be fully qualified. That means we need to preach the word of God correctly. That's why we exposit God's word. We don't give theories on it or would it be nice of or... It's so universal. It's not universal. It's for a particular people. It's for God's people. <clears throat> We're to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For the purpose that the church would be built up. So that the church would be built up. Look again what it says in verse 12. To equip... The saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. <coughs> it's not just the job of the pastor, the teacher, the elder to build the church. They are the primary source, yes. But it is also your job to build up the church. We are all called to this. This is part of all of our job. We want to build the church. He says the purpose of building the church, uh, the building up of the body, is to obtain unity in faith and knowledge 
of the Son of God so that we would be mature. Look what it says in verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When is our job done? When we die, our job is done. When Christ returns, the job will be done. Do we strive to grow in our knowledge of the Son of God? Do we strive to maturity in Christ? Do we strive to have unity with one another? To have the stature of the fullness of Christ? We do the work of ministry for the purpose of growing in the knowledge of the Son of God. And as we do, it will keep us from being infantile in our thinking, which leads to deception. Which leads to deception about the Word of God. Look at what it says in verse 14. So that we, here we go, plural, we may no longer be children. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. By human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. No longer tossed here and there. Right? If you're not grounded, you're tossed around. By every wind and wave of doctrine. Well... You know, this is popular, and then that becomes popular, and it goes in the way. And, and, and that is the danger of elevating anybody who comes to faith. Say, oh, look at what God is doing. Yeah, rejoice in what God is doing here. Uh, Kanye West is a prime example. The church went nuts. Oh, look at this guy. He's buffet. He's holding, yeah, but he's holding services for Joe Holstein. Doesn't that tell you something? It means stay away. It's a big warning sign. And now look where he is. I, it's a shame. I'm not praying for him. But the church lifted him up. Oh, isn't this great? Hold on. Step back. Hold on. No. If it came to faith, pray that he did. It's immature faith. And it lifted up. Pride and everything else. And God says, this is what happens. It went that way. You know, it, it's, it is interesting. And it's true. And it's humbling for me. When you had that anniversary thing for me, which which I appreciated, but again, it was a very comfortable night for me. When Gabe spoke, he says, you know, when they ask you who your favorite pastor is, it's true, it's never my pastor. And I really appreciate what he said. And, 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 and I'm not saying that, but it's so true. Because you, if you sit within a local church, your primary teacher is your pastor. Your primary teacher is your pastor. And I'm not saying this. This is tough for me to say. But it's just what, this is what God says here in the text. I, Pastor Len, Pastor John, and Pastor Mike, are your primary teachers in the faith. It is your job. As Hebrews says, do it so that work is not a drag. <laughs> right? That ministry is enjoyable. You know what I say? Thanks be to God. There's a church full of people who make ministry enjoyable. But we want to strive to be your favorite creatures. Not because it's all looking at me. I know everything. No, I know. History's proven. I don't know it all. I don't always communicate the best. 
primary teacher is your local pastor. And that's why the scripture says that we are under stricter, double judgments. The day in which we stand before God, we are to give account for souls. Oh, anybody want to trade places? Right? Once you put it in that context, that's all right, man. That's your calling. You can have it. That's right. But you're also given account for your calling. What are you doing with your calling? Do you even know your calling? Are you using your gifting for the building up of the body? To help people not be tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine, by cunning, human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Does that bring you back to the garden? Who was cunning and crafty? Satan was. He still is. We live in a day and an age in which, you know what? I'm not with you every day. You're not with me every day. I don't know what you listen to on the radio. I can tell you, Caleb, it's nice, I guess. Is it doctrinally sound? Absolutely not. Shouldn't listen to this guy. Shouldn't listen to this guy because they're not going to help you. You may say, but I like that guy. You listen to him. Okay, you listen to him. You follow him. You do that to your own hurt. But we want to tell the church, I can only from here give to you. In Bible study, give to you. But it's in your daily interactions with one another. In which somebody may sound, yeah, well, you're not, you know, there really is nothing wrong with marriage between a man and a man, a woman and a woman. Maybe they're saying that, you know, what's the big deal? You who are mature in your faith say, no, God says this. So people aren't tossed by these false doctrines here and there. And there's a whole host of other things. You know what? The, the, the worst thing to be incorrectly about is the person of Jesus Christ. You get that one. Everything else doesn't matter. Who is Jesus? What is God's purpose in the world? Why has Christ come? Why did Christ come? The reason that the Son of God appeared is what? What Scripture tell us? To save people. What's the point of Jesus coming? How does he do it? And there you go. Now you're beginning steps of giving an answer for the hope that is within you. We are to build one another up. There's a lot of crazy stuff out there. And there's a lot of crazy Christian music out there. And, and you know what? You know who Satan was at first? He was the chief what? Worship leader in heaven. And he distorts music. Music is powerful. Why do you think Hillsong is so popular? You sit there and it moves you and you get the lights and the music and all. Oh, and it's an experience. And should there be an emotional reaction within church? Absolutely. How can you sing, show me Christ? Or give me clean hands? And not say, yeah, I need clean hands. Yes, I need to see Christ. How can that not move you? Of course it should. We live in a world where everything is thrown at you. It's thrown at our children. 
if we're disengaged from our children and what they're learning and teaching, you know what? They're sponges. They'll suck. And say, hey, it's okay. Yeah, that's no, it's fine. Well, so, well, my friend's family does that, and they do that. Why can't we do that? And consequently, as a side, one of the worst reasons to leave a church is for my kids. Teach your kids what it means to be part of a church. Be committed to the church. Whether there's a million kids your kid's age or not. Soccer, horrible reason not to come to church. I get it. All those things are important. My kids played all the sports, too. That's why it is important because we are, we, our gift is to each other. We are a gift to each other within the church. Look at what it says. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. We are the gift we give to each other. It is the gift of God's word, the truth of God's word, spoken in love to one another. So that we're not tossed to and fro. It's not just a passion of one hour a week cannot compete. You know, when MTV came out, it was huge, right? Huge. Maybe you're old enough to remember MTV. But it was actually, I, at this point, I would say it was good. Now it's just a good um, I would tell the kids in my youth group, I cannot compete with MTV. I can't. It's impossible. They're going to grab your attention, the thrill of it all, the videos of it all. They're going to suck you in. You're one hour a week at youth group with me, a couple hours a week, and going on a mission trip here, and a, a lock-in. is not going to compete. I would tell that to the parents. We've got to teach God's word. We've got to tell them what God says. Yes, society says this. And yeah, this seems appealing. But this is what God says. We are the gift to each other. And we cannot grow as a body if we are disconnected from the body. If we're disconnected from the church. Please listen to me fully. Sunday morning is your only church time. You are robbing yourself of the blessing of hearing and learning what God says. You are also robbing others of the blessed privilege of learning and rejoicing in what God is doing in and through you. We're to build one another up in the most holy faith. To be honest, please hear my heart. If you are just a Sunday morning person, the chances are God really isn't doing much in or through you. You cannot say this to hurt, but to urge. To urge. As Paul does to the church in Ephesus. And I can hear it now. Pastor, why do you always push being involved in the church? Why do we always got to go here? The simple answer is because God commands us to. God commands us to. The reason God commands us to is because we are God's gift to each other. 
We all play a role. We all play a part in the building of the church. Some have small roles and some have larger roles. Yes, that's true. That's, in any organization, that's true. But each of us is to seek out and know our part in the church. And I would urge you all the more to seek out your part to fulfill the role that God has assigned to you. If we put aside the excuses, well, the kids, well, I'm tired, well, I got to work, and I, those are all legitimate reasons. I get it. There are some reasons that, you know what, I can't come Wednesday night to Bible study because I do have to work. I'm a single mom, and I have, you know what? Go to work, because if you don't care for your family, you're worse than an infidel. There is balance here. I'm not saying you have to show up at everything. <coughs> But there are many excuses we would use that really wouldn't hold water if we really examine that. We're willing to put aside some excuses, do the hard work, right? Eager to maintain, as it says, the unity of the faith, the idea that I'm going to exert effort and energy into this. If you do, you'll see God do amazing things in and through. It may not seem right away at first, but as you're consistent, you're consistent, developing patterns. I went to a, a school way back, long before I ever met my wife. Uh, I went to visit a school up in Pennsylvania, a Holiness Pentecostal school. That's how long ago in my journey it was. And, 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 and the pastor there it's one of the best messages I've ever heard, actually, was talking about patterns. Establishing patterns. Well, he tied it into giving. But establishing a pattern. If you establish a pattern and have your whole, you establish patterns, then when you're older, it just becomes natural to you. What kind of patterns are we establishing now? What kind of patterns am I establishing? I got my family here looking at me going, hmm. <laughs> and rightfully so. Remember what Paul prayed in Ephesians 1 for the church. Listen again what he says. And this emphasizes the point of our gift to each other. It says in verse 18, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Not Outside of the saints, but in the saints. There's a glorious inheritance we have with each other. I know when we did this, it could possibly mean that we are God's inheritance, and we are, but we're also a glorious inheritance to one another. God's given us the down, a, a, a glimpse of glory, if you would, now in each other. To distance yourself from what God has blessed the church with. You do it to your own detriment. You do it to the hurt of others. As I said, they're not say apart from the saints. It says in the saints. Your gifting from God is needed in God's church. <coughs> When we are rooted in love for one another, we seek to serve and build one another up in the most holy faith. And together, we are strengthened to comprehend 
God's great love. Wasn't that Paul's prayer in chapter 3? Listen again to what it says in Ephesians 3, 14. Notice the words in yellow. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, what? He may grant you, plural, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your, plural, inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your, plural, hearts through faith, and that you, plural, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness, that you, plural, may be filled with all the fullness. Bottom line is this. God works in us individually so that we can function communally. God works in us individually so that we can function communally. Does that make sense? Right? That's what it says in verse 16 of our text. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When each part is working properly. Disconnect yourself from the church. Sunday morning only person. I thank God you're a Sunday morning only. You come here on Sunday mornings. Don't get me wrong. I don't think I'm a Sunday morning only person. But pastor, you don't understand. My spouse is not safe. I don't have the freedom. You know what? In those cases, there's grace. There's no question. You don't understand. I can't come every Sunday because I work in a hospital. You know what? Thank God you work in a hospital on Sundays because I may have to show up on Sunday. I hope I don't, but I want you to do that. You know what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's a strict. You have to. There's no wiggle room. It's not necessarily just coming. I would encourage, I would encourage you to come tonight. Evening service, 6 o'clock. It's the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day. Learn in the book of Leviticus. You should have been here when we talked about bodily admissions. It's a great subject, but it points us to Christ. But a major component of the church is the teaching, the expositing of the word on Sundays, yes, and throughout the week. But if you remember, a major part of the church was the fellowship people had individually. Go to the book of Acts, and it says, and day by day, or daily, they met in the temple. Every day they had to show up. I, you know, I, I think that that every day thing means, you know what? The apostles were there teaching every day. And if you could show up, you showed up. Some have jobs to do, some have this, some have that. I get it. But it also says that it devoted themselves to prayers and to breaking bread in their homes. What kind of fellowship are you having with each other? 
outside of Sunday, outside of Bible study, outside of community group? Are you inviting people over and not just the same people that you like? Are you going out and having coffee with people? Getting to know each other? Building one another up in the most holy thing? How many of you have gone on a retreat? So you know, I'm going to go. God's leading me to go. And you, you just connected with somebody you never thought you would have connected with before. I will say this. I'm so thankful that within our church, there's a lot. When we hear, did you know so-and-so gave so-and-so a ride and so-and-so this? And like, what? I would have never thought that. And we rejoice as elders and we give thanks to God. Because you're doing it, but do it all the more. Do it all the more, as it says in the book of Thessalonians. If I could give one more point of admonition. Something that I, I will say has bothered me. I, I, I want to... Communion Sundays. When we go into the big room. And we have real, true communion. A love feast in Scripture with Paul. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you because... Month after month, Sunday after communion Sunday, we sit with the same We should be able to sit with anybody within our church and have fellowship. I know I get it. Well, the singles like the singles, the Filipinos like the Filipinos. And it's, you know, I get it. I understand. I'm not, it's just, I get it. So that's how we are. I would encourage you, October 1st, Show up. We're going to have a barbecue, right? We're going to have it with IVH, so there's the extra element. Now sit with somebody who you may not be able to communicate with. But I'm going to tell you this. You have fellowship with them through Jesus Christ. Right? Same spirit, same Lord, same testimony. Build these relationships. Encourage one another. All the more as you see the day approaching. We're going to end with a quote from the late James Montgomery Boyce. He writes this. Gifts are for the use and serving others. Listen. The ladies serve the church. The ladies, you. The ladies serve the church and the world. Major means of evangelism for the church is you individually in your neighborhoods with your family and friends giving a reason for the hope that's within you. The ladies serve the church in the world. The clergy serve the lady, particularly in helping them to develop and use their gifts. That's how God designed the church. That's how it means to live as God's treasured possession. We have Christ's gift to individuals, Christ's gift to the church, and our gift to each other. May we use it for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your church. Thank you for this fellowship of believers. Thank you for ones who call upon your name and truth and who gather to hear your word. Lord, forgive us for letting the busyness of living in America, particularly Bergen County, many times getting in our way. Help us, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, to use the strength that's been given to us in the Holy Spirit to 
begin all the more become a greater part of the body of Christ. To help out all the more to use our giftings to build each other up in the most holy way. So that, Lord, we would no longer be tossed to and fro by the waves, by false doctrines, by cunning, by deceitful schemes. But, Lord, our desire is that we would grow to mature manhood. That we would grow up to the fullness of Christ. We ask it for the sake of Christ and in his name. Amen. Amen. Let's close this song. In response to proper theology, proper doxology, doxa, glory, logos word, that's in a glorious word to our God for what we have heard from him today through the preaching of his word. Praise God from whom all blessings flow.